football fans far and wide from all corners of the world welcome in to the football v football podcast we got a great pod for you today we're going to be covering the world cup quarter final recap what an amazing past couple days of games i want to start by reminding everyone that's watching on youtube to go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Leave a like. Leave a comment. And hit the notification bell so that you can see all future YouTube videos when they're uploaded. And we're also on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, go ahead and, and follow us on there. And if you are listening, you may be listening on one of our many podcast platforms. Apple, Spotify, Anchor, iHeartRadio, Amazon, all of them. We're on all of those. So uh, continue to listen on there and leave readings and, and share. It would be much appreciated. But we're going to go ahead and jump in to the first game. Croatia. Yeah, that's right. Croatia. That Eastern European country. Beating Brazil. The world power. The world football power. Uh, Joga Bonita. Uh, that nation beating them 4-2 on penalties after tying them 1-1 with both of those goals coming in extra time. What an upset here. There were basically no chances for either team in the first half. It was a pretty boring start to the game. One thing that stood out to me was the Croatian defender, Juranovic or Juranovic, uh, was playing really motivated. I think he has a tremendous um, – I'm really a big fan of his speed. I think he gets up and down the field really well and helps out on attacks. I hadn't known about him before this tournament. I know about him now. I think he's a great player for Croatia. Gavard Diol, another Croatian defender, the masked man, very nearly – Scored an old goal to begin the second half that would have really turned the tides in this game. So they got fortunate there. And I'll get to one aspect of that a little bit later. There was a handball in the penalty box by Croatia as well. And they were saved by VAR with an offside call for Brazil. And this is the second time I've seen this World Cup where that happens, just tremendously fortunate for a team to be saved a penalty by an offside. I, you don't see it very often, but it happened here. And like I mentioned, the star of this match is the Croatian goalie, Livakovic. <laughs> uh, in the second half, Brazil peppered him with balls, with shots on target, and he did what a good goalie does, which is make his body big and survive the best game I've ever seen. Paqueta, or Paqueta, as they've been saying in the broadcast, playing his life. I haven't seen him do very much of anything since he got to the English Premier League, but he had quite the game today. But he wasn't up to the level of Livakovic. <laughs> Croatia basically 
had no real chances the entire game until the very end of extra time when they absolutely needed it. And it was a tremendous shot by Pekovic that was deflected by a Brazilian defender, a little unlucky there, and went in on Allison. And that came a little bit after Neymar scored his goal. Great goal there as well. Tied Pele, arguably the greatest soccer player of all time, Uh, his, his record for goals. And this game went into to penalties, which was a, is becoming a theme in this World Cup. And in the penalty shootout, I was very impressed by the Croatian player Orsic, who took a perfect, uh, he, he had a perfectly taken penalty. He went at the bottom left corner with speed. And when you do that, when you go right at that left corner, it allows for a little bit of height. If you get a little nervous, usually what happens is you give put a little height on your ball because you you put your head up a little bit too soon or you know you have jitters and it, it forces things to go high. But if you aim low like that and you keep your head down and you aim for that bottom corner, that's how all penalties should be taken. And the fact that I even need to say that shows you how poorly a lot of these penalties have been taken during this World Cup. So, kids, if you're studying penalties, go watch Orsic or Sitch's penalty during this game. Now, one thing that irked me a little bit, the announcer. Mentioning that this is the fourth time in the last five World Cups that Brazil was eliminated by a European nation. Basically trying to flex that superiority, whether that's Euro superiority, Eurocentric superiority, whatever. He was an American announcer. You connect the dots there. And this essentially pushed me into really, really hoping that there will be an Argentina. Well, I hope you already know the outcomes of the games, but a non-European final. Uh, and that really just, that'll shut him up for next time he wants to say something like that. But moving on to the next game, that was just spoiled by me. Uh, Argentina beat Netherlands 4-3 to on penalties after tying the game 2-2 in what was a crazy, crazy, crazy game. I want to start by saying something about this Dutch coach. Van Gaal, because he played a surprisingly big role in the plot of this game. He said before the game that um, Messi was being kind of carried by the rest of his team during this World Cup, which is something I had mentioned in an earlier podcast especially relative to our our expectations of Messi, the great player Messi. And there was talk of how there have been questionable penalties that have been awarded to Messi throughout this tournament, which I agree with. Messi later said that he heard that and he felt disrespected by Van Gaal. 
And this explained to me why Van Gaal or why Messi looked very lively to begin this game, taking a number of shots on goal and had a great assist on the first goal. And there was another thing about Van Gaal that I recently found out as well. He was the coach of Manchester United when the Argentine great Di Maria was on that team, and he had a huge personal issue with him. Di Maria, if you look back at some of his interviews, said that that coach single-handedly ruined his tenure with Manchester United, and he blames him for essentially the downfall of what was a great career that he was enjoying. So before this game even started, there was tension between the Netherlands coach and the Argentina team. So that was the background of this game. Netherlands basically had no chances in this entire game until Weghorst entered the game and scored a damn brace, okay? And if anyone has been following Weghorst throughout his career at Burnley, knows that this is very un-Weghorst-like, this kind of production. And we can think it in the abstract, but when you look at the statistics, we actually saw today that the two goals he scored in those final 20 minutes of that game literally matched his production with Burnley in the entire time he was there. So that tell you that tells you something about how some people elevate their game in the World Cup as opposed to in club play. And especially on that second goal, I must say, to secure the tie during the last minute by Netherlands was absolutely genius. And I wonder why more teams don't do it because it takes the whole defense by surprise and you're catching them as they're jumping, most of them, and one or two of them are lying down on the ground. So it's extremely strategic to pass it right in front of the net where you have basically no defenders or maybe one or two defenders there. Some, sometimes the vendors are at the post. And you get it right there with at least one or two of your strikers right in front of the goal. And so it absolutely was tremendous. And it was finished very well. By Weghorst, again, I can't emphasize the importance of this guy during this game as he came on as a sub. He basically boxed out and just out physical the Argentine defender to get that second goal as he received the ball from that free kick. It was a real thing of beauty, to be honest with you. I know that there was a lot of Argentina fans that were saying, why is there so much extra time and they shouldn't have even been given the chance at all. But... It was a beautiful display of football, I must say. It was I love the strategy in that shot. One of the last chances for Argentina in extra time was stopped by Virgil van Dijk's throat, essentially. And I thought that was kind of ironic because he ended up choking during the first penalty he kicked, and he missed it. And that set the tone for the, the rest of the penalties. And that brings me to a point that I've always kind of wondered, maybe somebody can explain it to me. 
why do defenders take penalties? Why? They should be the last ones on your team to take a penalty. They have no nose for their goal. Their, their whole thought process in football is different. They don't go for goals. They go for defending their own net. And then sometimes when they attack, they'll feed balls in. But they have no nose for their goal. Let your strikers and your number one and then your midfielders, number two, and then your defenders, number three, take penalties. Just seems, it seems it's like a no-brainer to me. But going back to Argentina and part of the spectacle of this game, and there were a record number, 19 cards handed out by the ref in this game, most ever in a World Cup game, I believe. I have to admit, I think Argentina has some punks on their team. Okay. Uh, Paredes firing the ball straight at the Netherlands bench, then trying to walk away and let his teammate take the the brunt of that before he was eventually leveled by Van Dyke, kind of checked him and threw him to the ground. And then Otamendi, who I really have never been a fan of. He seems like just an overall punk. He was kind of annoying throughout this game, diving. He's kind of a troll. And they showed him right after Argentina won the penalty shootout, mocking the Dutch players, doing like one of these or like one of these, uh, acting like he was acting, like mocking them for crying, which, man, if you would have lost that game, you would have been doing that same thing. I thought that was kind of classless and tasteless. And I'm not a big fan of this Otamendi guy. I think he should be more... Just be more civil, man. Just be a little more civil. I think stuff like this is going to come back to... Uh, karma is going to come back to you if you continue to do stuff like this. So that's my takeaway. But I have to say congratulations to Argentina, Messi. I know I only, I only mentioned him at the beginning of uh, when we were talking about this. But he absolutely earned this. He had a lot of great chances. And he scored the PK. And he had that great assist. And there was another time where he almost... Uh, uh, got a third goal there. So, Messi onto the semifinal. It's going to be great to see him there. But he will be without his counterpart in greatness in football over the past 20 years or so. The matchup that everyone wanted to see, and by everyone I mean the media, <laughs> in that famous chess match photo that they took because Morocco beat Portugal <laughs> yeah just like everyone thought Morocco beat Portugal one to nothing this was a very good competitive game early with both sides seemingly getting equal chances Portugal had a great chance glance off the post I think to be to begin the the, the second half or maybe at the end of the first. But the game changed on the first goal by Morocco, which was another bad mistake by the Portuguese goalie, Diogo Costa. 
coming out of goal and not going aggressively to clear the ball. I was personally confused, to be honest with you, about the reason why they started him this entire World Cup over Jose Sa. Because Jose Sa, maybe it's just because I watch Premier League more, but he seemed like a perfectly good option for this team. And if you remember, Diego Costa almost cost them the the game, I believe, against, was it Ghana? Just absent-minded. He almost let in that third or fourth goal and almost allowed Ghana to tie or win that game. But you know what? Credit to the Moroccan Naziri. This guy has a nose for the goal. It doesn't seem like any of his goals are spectacular, but he identified where that ball was in the air and the goalie made the mistake and he capitalized on it and he showed his nose for that goal this entire World Cup. So full credit to him. But I must remind everyone that this entire first half of this game took place without Cristiano Ronaldo. Possibly the best player ever. One of the best players ever. And possibly his last World Cup ever. Sitting on the bench. And the coach didn't even put him in to start the second half after they were down 1-0 in the most important game in their lives. He waited another six minutes and then finally put him in in the 51st minute. Which he also put on Cancelo. He didn't put him on in the, in the first half at all. Cancelo, very much so your, your best attacking defender. He's on Manchester City. He's a tremendous player. Hasn't played him much this tournament at all. And I think... This Portuguese coach has an ego way too big to be coaching this team, a team of this magnitude, and should absolutely be gone. This Portuguese coach needs to be gone, if he isn't already. Moving back to the soccer part of it, uh, in the second half, Portuguese had great chances. João Felix, Bruno Fernandes, Cristiano Ronaldo, and then Pepe, Pepe. At the very end of the game, all had incredible chances here. Could not capitalize. And the atmosphere of this game, wow. Clearly, clearly a Moroccan-heavy crowd. There are tens of thousands of Moroccans that live in Qatar, and they came out in full force for this one. A couple interesting language items in this game. The ticker always has Morocco as M-A-R instead of M-O-R. Not sure why. Uh, if you're going to write the name Morocco as M-O-R-O-C-C-O, then just put it as M-O-R. Otherwise, just write it as Moroc, M-A-R-O-C, because that's what you're alluding to anyway. And the goalie's name is Bunu, B-O-U-N-O-U, but his jersey has Bono, B-O-N-O, which is confusing on many levels for, for people that are aware of Bono as, you know, the famous, um, the famous singer, and, you know, it could be a nickname 
for Bunu. But if it is, that's also kind of odd because it doesn't really shorten it by very much. I thought that was interesting. The final thing in this game, it showed, um, the camera showed Ronaldo walking through the tunnel crying after this game was over. And I don't want to say that those tears were for the camera, but I also don't want to say that they looked like they were the most genuine emotions I've seen from an athlete. I hope it wasn't planned, and I hope to see you know Ronaldo in another World Cup because this ending, dictated by a terrible coach, is not one that a player of his achievements deserves. But we'll move on now to the final quarterfinal game. France beating England 2-1 in this heavyweight bout, the Battle of the Titans. Right from the beginning, I was absolutely opposed to the English formation as I have been for most of this World Cup. I personally think that Rashford is more physical and talented than both Kane and Saka, in my opinion, and should have started ahead of one of them. I think ahead of Saka, to be honest with you. I know he had some moments during this game, and some people think he's and he, you know, he drew the penalty. He didn't take the penalty. He didn't score any goals. And I think Rashford is just a more dangerous player, and he showed that late in this game. And I'll talk about that more later. I also thought that Trippier should have absolutely started ahead of Luke Shaw because he basically does what Shaw does, but better. As a defender, he attacks and defends and is superior on set pieces and even free kicks on goals. He scored some beautiful goals for Newcastle taking free kicks. And while I understand that Kyle Walker was needed at right back, I believe, to shadow Mbappe, which he did a great job of. But you have to figure out a way to get Trent on the field in this damn World Cup. I don't think he saw the field at all. He is an absolutely a world-class defender. Or when I say that, he's a world-class player playing defense. Okay, let me uh, allow me to 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 clarify here. And at the very least, you should have put him in at midfield instead of Henderson, who is essentially just on the pitch to be a captain without much skill. He's past his prime. I'm sorry. And decisions like this cost you the game. And one of the things that cost you the game was Chumeni. I think I'm saying his name right, the French defender with a tremendous strike from distance, from outside the box. And the English English central defense essentially didn't respect him, gave him so much space, and he took full advantage with an amazing, amazing strike. I'm trying to think of another strike this World Cup that was taken from a further distance. Really impressive. I had never heard of this guy before. England had many more chances and were essentially on the front foot pretty much all game. But 
if I were to judge the power of the actual shots, there wasn't much behind them. This is one of the places where I thought Rashford would have been absolutely beneficial. Harry Kane's penalty was a no-doubter. Blasted it in tremendous. The way that they should you know, all be taken, essentially, because even if the goalie guesses correctly, the power can put it past him. So power behind penalties is extremely, extremely important. You have power and placement. And this is something that should be absolutely practiced over and over, especially after this World Cup. If coaches out there do not practice penalties with their players after they watch this World Cup, they are doing a big disservice and they are setting their teams up for failure and their players up for failure. Jordan Pickford, this guy yells way, way too much at his defense for being just an average goalie. And Pickford, you need to chill out, bro. You're not that guy. And you don't need to be yelling the way you are to your defenders. You're not You're not at that mustawa. You're not at that level. Olivier Giroud scored the second goal. An absolute no-doubter. Took a slight defle deflection off Maguire, but there was so much power behind that header. It was absolutely going to go in. Olivier Giroud. The all-time leading goal scorer for France, passing Thierry Henry. A pivotal player for this team and for their success. I mean, he is a little bit unheralded. We were talking about it today with, with some friends. He kind of, like in, in, in the other football, in American football, you know you have like accumulators, compilers, guys like Frank Gore or, or Curtis Martin or some guys that are a little bit unremarkable and never seem like they are the best player sometimes on their team or, or especially like in a league or definitely like in a league. But they just, they compile, they accumulate. And then all of a sudden <laughs> they play so long that all of a sudden, they have the record for, for most this or most that. That's what Olivier Giroud is. So congratulations to him. Hernandez, the French defender, had a horrible play to give up that penalty at the end of the game. But the only thing more horrible was Harry Kane's second penalty. Mm. He got into his own head <clears throat> against the goalie that he's been playing with at Tottenham for, for many years, Hugo Lloris. And it looked like he was about to take the same penalty that he took the first time. And then he he thought, no, I can't do that. I can't do this twice. He's going to guess correctly. And so he raised his head at the very last moment. And it just looked like he, he was kicking toward where many English fans were sitting. And there were many, I mean, there were flags draped all over that area. Over, I think there were like seven different English flags with different things written on them. And he just skied the ball. Instead of, I think maybe he wanted to put the ball a little bit higher because <laughs> Lloris was already going to go in the uh, one of the corners of the, um, I guess the right corner. Uh, the right corner for Lloris. Uh, 
and he thought, no, I need to put it a little bit higher because I he he knows I'm going to do the same thing. So he skied the ball. Poor guy will absolutely have nightmares about this, possibly, well, for a long time. And this seems to be a theme recently for English football, missing penalties in big tournament games. Unfortunately, I know the same thing happened with some other players in a recent tournament. But to end this game, Rashford had an amazingly well-taken free kick that hit the top of the nest, top of the net and almost went in. It would have been great to see him earlier in the game. Southgate. But it didn't happen. And France took it. And it's going to be a great quarterfinal, I think. Argentina versus Croatia. France versus Morocco. After what I mentioned earlier in this podcast, I would really love to see a final without a European team. I would love to see Argentina versus Morocco in the final just because of how um, superior a lot of people think the the European uh, teams are. And it was great to see Morocco, who has a lot of players that are from Europe, essentially uh, born in Europe or lived much of their life in Europe, play for their their um, national team, their, their heritage, their roots. And I wish that more players would do that. Because if you look at the French team, a lot of them aren't, don't have French roots. <laughs> Croatians, i got to give them credit. They look like they're mostly Croatian. But the French team... I mean, Mbappe is, is half Algerian but by himself, and there are many that, uh, that aren't natively French, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to that, uh, th- this semifinal. And before we close this out, I wanted to just talk about one overall takeaway. Um, I would have to see the stats on this, right? I haven't seen the stats on this yet, but this World Cup, has brought an interesting paradigm shift where it seems like penalties favor the goalie over the kicker. I don't know if it's the immense pressure or goalies learning more data and information about players or what, but it's an incredible phenomenon because growing up, I always saw penalty kicks as automatic goals. And that was always the case from when I was young, moving backward. It used to be very, very rare for a goalie to save one. But we've had a huge amount of penalty kicks saved by the goalie during this World Cup. I would venture to say more than we've ever seen. So that's a very interesting takeaway from this World Cup. So that'll wrap up our World Cup quarterfinal recap in Qatar. I want to thank you all for tuning in to this episode here. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, a reminder, if you are watching on YouTube, go ahead and subscribe. It would be great to have you as part of the Football v. Football family. And throw in a like, throw in a comment, throw in a share. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and 
can listen to this on many podcast platforms. If there's a podcast platform that we are not on and you want us to be on, go ahead and let me know in the comments and I'll try to get us on there. And we are also, if you'd like to support this podcast on Kofi, we'd be very much appreciative. So thank you all for tuning in. Have a fantastic day, football fans. And enjoy the semifinals.